This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Don't be like Charlie. Charlie is that do-it-yourselfer who does himself in. Do-it-yourself is good for tile and grout. It is not good for asset protection. Charlie thought he'd save a few dollars forming his LLC online. With no guidance, he did it wrong. When he sold the property, he lost thousands and thousands of dollars. He did himself in by trying to do it himself. Don't burn yourself. Use Corporate Direct to set up and maintain your LLCs and corporations. Corporate Direct is owned and operated by attorney and rich dad advisor, Garrett Sutton. Garrett wrote the bestsellers, Loopholes of Real Estate and Start Your Own Corporation. He is Robert Kiyosaki's attorney for asset protection. He and his team will do it right. Visit them at CorporateDirect.com or call 800-600-1760. Mention Rich Dad and receive $100 off your formation fee. That's CorporateDirect.com. CorporateDirect.com. Because study is better with play. Samsung Galaxy Tab S7 FE. Ready to make the most of your school year? The ultra-large screen gets you closer to the action whether you're studying, streaming, or gaming. Seamless syncing lets you hand off calls, videos, files, and more to other Galaxy devices, like your phone. The included S Pen gives you a super smooth experience. Plus, choose a vivid color that shows off your personal style. Samsung Galaxy Tab S7 FE. Terms and conditions apply. This is the Rich Dad Radio Show. The good news and bad news about money. Here's Robert Kiyosaki. Hello, 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 Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. And we're broadcasting from gorgeous old town Scottsdale, Arizona, where it's either heaven or hell, and right now it's heaven, but in a few months it'll be hell. But we have a very important show for you, all of you who are entrepreneurs or want to be entrepreneurs or dream of becoming an entrepreneur because, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's a great way to live, but it's also got its challenges and its problems. So this is um, Steve and he's one of, he's part of Nectar. Kim? Steve, Steve Schultz. He's a co-founder and CEO of Nectar Juice Bar, N-E-K-T-E-R. And um, I'm a fan of, of Nectar. I go there often. It's right down the street from our office. And it, it's just a great story because here's, he, he, Steve's kind of reinvented the whole juice bar notion, kind of taking the Starbucks approach as, as best I could tell uh, to Nectar juice bars and their, their, drinks, their food, everything is delicious and healthy. Um, and it's very, it, it's a total entrepreneurial story, very pioneering. And I'm anxious to hear um, what's been happening with Steve and Nectar since COVID and how actually the story of how he took this on and saw something that other people didn't see. And it's now a hundred million dollar business. So all of you have dreams or you are an entrepreneur, want to grow your business. This is your program for you but also how do you survive during this insanity called coronavirus? So Steve, welcome to the program. Welcome Steve, great to have you on. 
you know, hey, it's it's great to be here, Robert. And I, you know, I think you bring up a, you know, a couple of very good points as far as you know entrepreneurship, so to speak. You know, I started Nectar in 2010, and it, it was probably after 20 failed businesses and swinging and missing, and occasionally I get a you know a base hit every now and then and to survive enough to sort of pay the rent. Uh, but it never crossed my mind to you know stop or to give up, and so it wasn't until I was probably 40 you know, uh, eight, 49 years old that, uh, you know, that I started Nectar. Um, but it was those failures, uh, over, you know, the prior 20 or 30 years that, uh, was enabled me, I think, to really make, uh, Nectar possible. So, you know, without that, okay. I thank you for saying that because I think it's one of the biggest mistakes our academic system instills in young children's minds that if you make a mistake it means you're a failure. And when you, when you look at humans learn, especially entrepreneurs, we learn from our mistakes. And unfortunately, most people, what my rich dad always said to me, the reason people are not successful is they haven't made enough mistakes. And if you don't make mistakes, you don't learn. So uh, I thank you for saying that at the start. No, and you're, you're absolutely right about that. Just, you know, it's, and, and it never bothered me to make a mistake. It never crossed my mind. You know, if the business <laughs> didn't work, it didn't even, I didn't lose a night of sleep. I mean, yes, I lost a night of sleep every now and again, but you pursued and you know, went ahead. But anyway. On we go, back to next. So, Steve, yeah. So, how'd you get into juice bars and healthy juice, healthy foods? I'll try and make the story short. So, at the time, as you guys may know, I was producing infomercials. And at that particular time, the infomercial business got very, very difficult during the financial crisis. Simultaneously, the infomercial that I was trying to produce was a cleanse. And as you know, maybe back in 2010 to 15 or 16, a, you know, one day or a three day cleanse where you drink just juices was extremely popular. Uh, but it was a perishable product. It was very heavy. You couldn't ship it to the East Coast. And so I didn't really know what to do with it. Simultaneously, I started going to a mother's market, which is similar to Whole Foods. And I was sitting there. Every time I go in, I'd ask them how many juices they would sell. I'd say, you know, two to 300 a day, two to 300 a day. And one thing led to another. And I did a little bit of due diligence. And, you know, sure enough, if you look at the legacy brands, you found that they were filled with sugar and filled with crap and just, you know, awful for you. They had become sort of a glorified dairy queen. Um, and then you also saw, I also saw a seismic shift in the way society was starting to purchase with Whole Foods, Trader Joe's, you know, Fresh Fair and things like that. So then it came came to mind saying, wait a minute, I've got a place to sell these cleanses. What if I develop, what if I get rid of all the crap and all the shit that all these legacy brands put in there and come up with something simple, authentic, it tastes good. And rather than try and be elitist, what if we make it affordable and accessible to anybody desired a healthy lifestyle? So kind of followed the in and out model of, you know, six juices, six smoothies and, and four bowls. And uh, nothing processed, and the filler in the smoothies and bowls is coconut water or house-made nut milk, and that's how it started. So, so let, let me ask. Let's step back one second. Is that you talk about the cleanse? And today I'm on day 21 of a cleanse, and <laughs> yeah. and uh, it's not the easiest thing in the world to do, but I do it about twice a year because you know I feel better. My head clears mm -hmm. up, and all this. So what is your, is a time to plug the idea of a cleanse? Why are cleanses important to people? You know, it, it, you, there's a couple things going on, I think. I think that the, a lot of times you see some companies promote the cleanse as a way to detoxify the body. And I don't really see it that way. I see it more as a way to uh, give your body a break. 
from eating all the processed and heavy foods. If the three of us went out to, you know, state 44, you know, tonight and we had ribeye steak and a big glass of wine. Oh, oh you're killing me. Good. You're killing me. You're, you're hitting below the belt right now. <laughs> yeah, see, that? No, that's not fair, is this? It, you know, so I think it's very good to give the body a break to sort of rejuvenate. And, and people, I think, should do it more often. I don't think... Uh, I've never been a one for cessation diets. I think intermittent fasting is uh, taking on a big role these days. I think that's a uh, unique and not a bad way to go. But I think the body's doing a break. You know, yeah. so you know, my uh, it's a cardiologist who is a personal cardiologist, Dr. Rodrigo Pollen, and his fiance Nicole. The reason they recommend it is says it makes your insides younger. It gives them a break to to rehab, to get stronger, get younger. So anything that makes me younger, especially at my age, I'm four. But I think the first thing I notice is I have spots on my face as I get older. They disappear. Mm -hmm. That's the... I'm, I'm, well, you, you know, you, you, the other thing that you're getting, you're getting a lot of dense, it's usually cold pressed. And so for us anyway, you've got a lot of very dense nutrients that usually don't, you don't get, um, which I think is, uh, you know, an important aspect of it. And I think that if you look at people today, you know, compared to whatever it was, um, I think a 70-year-old today is in all likelihood in better shape or feels better than when they were 50. I know that I, I know at my age of 58, I feel better than I did at 35. I think that just being more conscientious of, you know, treating the body and food as medicine and conscientious about what you put into your body, yeah. except for those steaks that we may have one of these days, uh, I think is very, very important. Well, I have, to, really I, have to, I have to ask this question for Kim. What about good wine? <laughs> yes, wine is healthy. Exactly. Red wine is healthy. Juice by day, juice by night, right? Yeah, there you go. It's grape juice. Hey, so yeah, let me right. ask you, Steve. So you, when you opened, because a lot of entrepreneurs are wondering, so when you opened your first store, which was in California, yes? Yes, 2010, we opened our first store. Did you have a plan that, okay, we're going to open one and then we're going to expand to this many? Or was it, we're going to open one, see how it does? Can we make this a model? Can it work? What was your What was your thinking? Uh, two things I'm going to answer a little bit backwards. One is money was never an objective, really. Never, we opened the juice bar just because we were passionate about it. We didn't, I didn't think about opening number two or three. It just didn't even cross my mind. After the first one opened, people said, and it was literally like three or four miles away. I can't drive all this way. Can you? I'm like, okay, we'll open another one. And then people said, hey, I can't drive all this way. Can you open another one? <laughs> and so, uh, you know, the way that we looked at it was we were, you know, serving the community. We enjoyed what we were doing and we continue to enjoy what we're doing, but it never was uh, a passion play on, you know, from an economic standpoint that if I do this, oh my gosh, I'm going to make X, Y, and Z. Now, certainly there are disciplines you need to take that are important, you know, cost of goods and labor and, you know, things of that nature. Uh, but that wasn't the motivation at all. And how many stores do you have today? Uh, 170. Wow, congratulations. Now we're opening, to me it seems a little bit crazy, but we're opening uh, COVID, we're opening stores right in the middle of this COVID deal. We uh, wow. opened in Colorado Springs uh, last weekend and did $2,500 our first day. Uh, we opened another one this past weekend. Um, we've, we're about a 30, 70, we've got a 40, 45 corporate stores, the rest are franchised, um, but we've continued to sign franchise agreements during this uh, crisis. So I was quite surprised by that. Really. Wow. Well, congratulations, because yeah. that's a that's an interesting business model, you know, franchising. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, franchise, and we were scared of it. You know, we had twelve stores, and um, we'd been in the business two years, and I'd seen so many companies that have one location, and next thing you know, they have 
you read the headline, hey, a 2,000 yeah. franchises yeah. or some stupid number. And I'm like, wait a minute. You know, if you only have one store, how do you know how to really operate it? So I wanted to make sure that we awarded six in 2012 and sat on it for two years and continued to grow the business model. So it was a good five years in. I just didn't feel as though we knew the systems well enough to franchise. You know, until we really knew the system inside and out, right. I really didn't have anything to sell in my mind. <clears throat> so. Well, we had that learning as parents, right, Kim? Yes, we have. Yes, we have. <laughs> I have a question. So let's say we have a listener sitting at home and they're social distancing or whatever that, whatever thing they've got set up here. And they're thinking about maybe I should start my own business, but especially your type of business where it's still, it's density. You know, I mean, people coming in and out and all this. What would you say to somebody who wants to become an entrepreneur? What would you say if there was three things they should be considering today, sitting at home, you know, collecting the money from the government? What are the three traits you say an entrepreneur must have? Oh, I think that, you know, I think that uh, for me, I think it's pretty simple. I think an entrepreneur has to have an innate, um, I'm not sure necessarily it's innate, uh, the innate curiosity. You know, I think that the, uh, that it's extremely important that, uh, that people do it. I think that, that have a curiosity about all things, you know, I'm interested in all sorts of things, but I think they've got to be, have a curiosity to it. I think that they have to have, they've got to have the ability to, uh, to block out the white noise. You know, again, I think too many people, I might ask, you know, Robert's opinion, this is, I might ask 50 people's different opinions, but that's just going to just paralyze me, right. you know? And then the third thing that they've got to do is they've just got to move forward. I think that they just have yeah. to, um, uh, overcome that inertia of that idea and, and not be scared of it. You know, too many people just can't get off the snide, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. it's, uh, it's, it's a shame really. Well, I think, you know, the hardest thing today, um, and it was always hard was you have to be responsible for your paycheck and the benefits and the real estate and, and the, the expenses. You know what I mean? And then and the inventory, oh, the white noise you just say is, are the words of terror. But what if I fail? How do, well, you how, know, and the other thing is, I think that people sometimes look at it as an all, they talk themselves into an all or nothing. Meaning they shouldn't look at it as though they're going to replace their paycheck or replace, you know, their benefits. You've got to go into it slowly and not you know, quit your job the next day, but, you know, test the waters and, and they've also got to understand what it takes to, to, to be successful. And a lot of folks think they do, but I don't think, I think they've got to test themselves a little, test their metal a little bit in the sense of, is you know, whether than anybody else, you're giving up Friday nights and you're giving up weekends, you're giving up barbecues and beers with your buddies and whatever it may be quite often. And a lot of people, when they realize that it's not quite worth the sacrifice. And yeah. if you don't go into, if you go into it, you know, halfway, that's just not simply going to work. And, uh, so I think people have an idealistic view of what they see the end, but not, you know, what's ironic is they see the end result of maybe this pot of gold, but what they don't realize, and I'm sure you, Robert, you felt this way, is that when I've been most passionate about the brand isn't the pot of gold, it's a struggle getting there. Yeah. You know, it's building it up and fighting and staying open and getting that next door and meeting the payroll and getting people, you know, hiring people. You know, that's, you know, when you get to, you know, not that we're a huge company, but we're large enough where I'm dealing with different issues that I had dealt with, you know, 10 years ago, those issues 10 years ago of running out of nut milk and having to go to every mother's market in Orange County to buy them out because we needed all the, the nut milk. That is what, I, when I yeah. think back, 
or 20 years from now when I look back, that's what I'll look back on. Not the pot of gold is somewhat irrelevant to, to the discussion of where I keep satisfaction came from. Well, I'll I, I tell you yeah. what, what, personally, this is my bugaboo when somebody says, but today's my day off. Or, <laughs> you know, I, uh, I go, I've, what else? Oh, it's, you know, I, I, got, I have this leave or something I'm going, you know, for me personally, since I became an entrepreneur, I haven't had a day off yet. I have a lot of freedom, but yes. I don't have a day off, if you know what I mean. It's my brain. It doesn't is cross cranking. the mind, really. I mean, you know, no. whether it's a Saturday or Friday or Thursday or Monday or Sunday, it doesn't, yeah. there is no such thing as a day off. Your clock doesn't stop, and but you don't care really either. No, I mean, but, yeah, sometimes things can be annoying, but. I, I like I, think, I like what you're saying, Steve. That you you a lot of people think they can go halfway, you know, they can go go in halfway and they can have it both ways. They can have their successful business and they can still stay comfortable, but there is not really comfortable. And I I love a quote that you have that says you either evolve or die. <laughs> I mean that's true. I mean especially today, given COVID, uh, maybe when we have more when we come back from our break, I'd love to find out. You know, how are you evolving through this? I mean, you're opening stores right now, which is incredible, which congratulations. Um, But how do people evolve through this crisis that's unfortunately hurting so many people, business owners and entrepreneurs? It's 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 very sad. It's killing Um, us. Yeah. So I when do we have it is terrible. I mean, Arizona's got the right track. I think they're on track and they're doing what they should be doing. California is just oh god, governor, the mayor, they ought to be ashamed of themselves. They should be. Oh god. Yeah, they should be. Hey, look, don't get me started on that one. Anyway, there's gonna be a mass exodus out of California, no doubt. Yeah, we'll talk about why Arizona is booming because people are leaving the Communist Republic of California. Well, come <laughs> well back. I'm a good example of that. We, you know, I, we recently yeah. bought a home over here in Scottsdale, and the intent is to you know, make this my residence and go back and forth to uh, California. I don't know how you can afford the taxes. I don't know how you can afford the taxes and regulations. Anyway, we come back with more with uh, Steve Schultz and Nectar and what it takes to be an entrepreneur during a crisis. We'll be right back. This is it, the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. But on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system to power your growth. With visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, budget, and more, NetSuite is everything you need to grow, all in one place. With NetSuite, you can automate your processes and close your books in no time while staying well ahead of your competition. 93% of surveyed businesses increase their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Over 27,000 businesses already use NetSuite. And right now, through the end of the year, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind financing program to those ready to upgrade at NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. Head to NetSuite.com slash C-Suite for special end-of-year financing on the number one financial system for growing businesses. NetSuite.com slash C-Suite. This episode is brought to you by Rad Power Bikes, designed to be a blast to ride and good for the environment. Rad Power Bikes have affordable e-bikes for every kind of rider. Get this year's must-have holiday gift at radpowerbikes.com. Welcome back, Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. Today we have a guest, Steve Schultz, is talking about his amazing brand, Startup, Spending rapidly, even during this COVID crisis, it's called Nectar. 
So you can listen to the Rich Dad Radio program anytime on iTunes, Android. Android, YouTube, iTunes. There you go. And all of our programs are archived because we archive them. So because we're an education company, we don't have any stocks, bonds, mutual funds, or real estate to sell you. And we sell pure financial education, especially for entrepreneurs and investors and stuff like that. So we archive this on Rich Dad Radio so you can listen to this program again. Because repetition is in the real world how we learn. Like you don't learn to be a golfer taking one golf lesson and taking on Tiger Woods the next week. You know, that's not the real world. But a lot of people have those fantasies at least or delusions. So go to Rich Dad Radio, listen to this program again. You'll pick up twice as much. But more importantly, if you have friends, family, and especially business associates, and you're wondering what's happened to your business or how you're going to face the future, this program could be the most important Rich Dad program, Rich Dad Radio program you can listen to because it's about the real world of being an entrepreneur. So again, you know, Steve, thanks for being part of us, this program. And the comments, Kim? Well, uh, yes. And our guest again is Steve Schultz. He's the co-founder and CEO of Nectar Juice Bar. And and what I love about this story, Steve, is you you are the ultimate entrepreneur in that as we have had so many failures, you talk about early failures, and then you start with one store because you've got a passion for healthy juices. Um, and today you've got 170 a hundred million dollar business uh, and expanding during the crisis. Yeah, I mean, it's the yeah. ultimate entrepreneurial story. And I think it's, it's one that everybody can learn so much from during the COVID that did surprise me. I, you know, to have discovery days and sign franchise agreements and see stores opening, you know, clearly I questioned the idea with my team. I'm like, should we be opening? I'm not. <laughs> but sure enough, <laughs> you know, uh, see what I know. So Steve, what was the biggest challenge that Corona caused you because did you have to shut down and all that yeah yeah i think it was devastating i think that there was an initial not i think there was an initial shock to everybody that this kind of thing could happen without going into the whole deal and for the first three you know so sales just literally fell off the cliff you know we went from two hundred and fifty thousand dollars a day to forty or fifty thousand dollars a day which obviously can be a little bit impactful and it was that way for about three weeks and so we huddled trying to figure out you know what was going to be the response to it. Uh, and ironically, the, the principles on foundation in which we were founded, which were health, wellness, immunity, freshness in 2010, really applied today more than ever. And then it became convenience. And because we had spent quite a bit of money in technology back in 2015 with, you know, uh, Starbucks had done a, such a great job with their order ahead app that they have. And, um, and the rewards program that we started in 2015, I think we launched in 16. I think we did about $10,000 our first month. Um, we now have fast forward, we have about like 700,000 people ordering on our app. Um, you know, upwards of the weekly orders are absolutely enormous. And so the idea that we could adapt the app, make it convenient, make it quick, we can make it curbside. If you jump out of the, if Robert jumps out of the shower, places his order, walks down to Hilton Village, he can either walk in and get a, you know, a contactless pickup or have somebody bring it up curbside. And I think that the idea of, uh, for us, we were fortunate in the space that we were in a health and wellness space and people were very conscious of that. Which well, I, I give you a lot of congratulations. As Kim and I know this naturopath who was attempting to do the same thing. He was uh, producing fresh squeezed juices 
and it didn't work. So um, why is yours working? I think it has to do with being established. I don't know if the, if the gentleman you're speaking about in particular is new in the sense and occasionally is, you know, people trying to jump on a certain, all of a sudden stores started to become grocery stores. So I said, Steve, you see a lot of people tell me all you have to have is passion. Yeah. That's a bunch of crap there. It yeah. takes a little bit more than that, sweetheart. You know? <laughs> so, so, so this guy, do I what mean, you love is, and the money will follow. He's this guy is hardcore, passionate health. I mean, his whole life is dedicated Anytime I want to find out how to be healthier without pharmaceuticals, he's the go-to guy. And he did what you did. He swears by fresh juices. So he opens this huge business. I think I met some of his partners. Well, that was the problem. We met some of the partners and we're like, this is a train wreck. I I met his partners and, you know, they were a bunch of losers, you know, hoping to become entrepreneurs, but they were just losers the whole time. And he was carrying the load on going, Jesus, what the heck's your business? I mean, you're a naturopath. What the hell are you doing in the juice business? I think you see that all the time. Well, it's clearly he tried to capitalize on something, you know, and I think passion all of a sudden, I think passion very often gets misconstrued in the sense of, you know, I wasn't uh, 8, 12, 15, 20 years old and said, I want to grow up to be a juicer. You know, <laughs> you know so I think this idea of like, you, I did. like, can you mention a moment ago, like, hey, whatever your passion is, follow it. Yeah, passion about trees or, you know, that just isn't the the case. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, you see all the, and, and what you talked about when you, you know, prior to introducing the second segment, I think that, uh, there is so much crap out there in the internet of buy this book, buy this tape, go to this seminar. We'll teach you how to do it. I challenge all those guys to try and go ahead and go and see how well they do, you know, read their book and have them do it themselves. And yeah, I don't yeah. think we're going to see very much yeah. success doing it. So I think that, uh, this whole passion thing is misconstrued. It's more of a, you know, interest, a curiosity, a motivation, a stick to And then the passion comes with the people and the response. And, you know, so it's not necessarily always the juice. It's, you know, the people that you're really embracing. It's the, the guests. It's everybody else. So I think that, uh, you know, and I think that's reflective in the service or business or restaurant or whatever it may be that you go into. Yeah. You can see it. You can feel it. There's, a, you know, there's a, something to it. I think, you know, but you said it earlier, the show, it's about, you got to be curious. Yes. And, and I would say that's probably night for me, at least. I'm always curious. You go like, I want to know how the heck you survived. But Steve, you said it earlier, but our friend, he's a naturopath and he's passionate about naturopathy. And so you said it earlier, you can't go halfway. You know, he's either in the juice business or he is the naturopath, but to do both is really, really difficult. You got to well, be I think all in. He was probably capital. You, you know, and the other thing I think that people forget is that, you know, a lot of people believe that you're building the brand, that Robert's building the brand, that I'm building the brand, that Naturopath is building the brand. And that's not true. It's the guest that's building the brand. And it's our job to steward the brand. Good point. Amen. So Good point. Amen. Good point. That's one of the best things I've heard. You know, who's your customer? And, uh, and I think it is, is just absolutely ridiculous. So all these people out there. And so I think that what, you know, your friend was trying to do is certainly capitalize on this, you know, situation. He was trying to put something to the, to the guest rather than the guest. He just had it all backwards. Basically mm-hmm. everything he did was just backwards. Interesting. So yeah. you could tell from the beginning, meaning if he would have come to me and talked to me about it, uh, I would have told him exactly what would have happened. And I probably would have been pretty right. Well, Kim and I said it earlier is that, we liked his idea and all that, so he invited us to a first-round finance meeting, and we met his we met Partners. his team, and we were out within I think less than five minutes. These well, guys were losers. Well, one person you know I mean? was there because she wanted a job. She wasn't a partner; she wanted a job. But I but to but, that they point. Ha, but they have executive decision-making power, but they weren't competent. 
You know, I ask I no, ask a couple no. of questions. They knew nothing about being an entrepreneur. They're employees. Nothing wrong with being an employee, but they had no right. real life experience. No, you've got to have that. I think that you know, for us, you know, we we've been doing it for eight or ten, actually ten years, and um, our ten year anniversary is coming up in October. And I think we had built a, a you know a trust in our in our brand. We had a fairly wide breadth of the, the guest, and then I think the most important thing that we had to do is listen. You know, we really had to, and we spent a lot of time listening to our team members. And what I mean by that is our, our, our store level team members that were, you know, in the trenches, so to speak, our corporate staff, our franchisees, and then most importantly, the guests. And so the goal for us over that sort of three week period when, you know, everything was falling off the cliff was trying to listen on what they were looking for, what they needed, what they would make them feel safe. And then it, for us, it came to really crafting the branding message towards them. Thank you. And so as a matter of, that's how we, so as far as the difference probably between, you know, his response and my response was we took three weeks, we listened to, you know, our, you know, tens of thousands of guests or as many as we could through all sorts of mediums, whether it be surveys, Zoom meetings, focus, all this kind of stuff to find out what they really needed during this time and then tried to hear So two points. One thing I hear differently is you don't ever say customer, you say guests. And that's sure, kind yes. of a mind shift way of looking at things. These are guests, not customers. I think that's excellent. And then you talk about Zoom meetings and all your surveys and all of this and the technology behind it. So with the COVID, um, we, we, we were talking earlier that we all three of us have never done so many Zoom calls and Zoom meetings and interviews and all of this. So how, how do you see technology evolving out of this? You know, as we know, business is smart. You know, we saw, you know, all of us go back whatever number of years ago, we'd stand line in the airport with our paper tickets and the airline industry was over. Sure enough, we have kiosk. We don't see anybody. We're being charged for our seats. We're, you know, it's just a seamless process. Even though TSA is there, sort of a seamless process. So I think with restaurants, clearly there are going to be some seismic changes with this, you know, whether it be the, you know, buffet style type ordering, like the self-service yogurt land and things, there's some concepts that simply won't be, I don't like suggesting they won't make it through it, but I'm just saying that have really deep seated problems that are fundamental to, you know, how people respond to it. I, I you know, I think this, uh, the reaction from the government reaction, I think is, has paralyzed too many people. I think what the media has done and yes. the government has done is just awful as far as uh, the, the mental mindset of people. And I think that is going to cause so much damage that uh, the people, you know, some people won't be able to uh, climb back. And I do think that technology uh, is certainly going to play a role. And I don't think it has to be vast because I don't think you can overwhelm people with technology. You just have to sort of expand upon those little baby steps to make it easier, simpler, safer, more convenient but don't overwhelm them with too much. How did you use technology at the start with Nectar? Did we use technology at the start? Well, the, uh, <laughs> the very first POS machine I bought was a micro machine, which was basically built for a fine dining. It's like an $8,000 machine. It was the worst thing in the world. What's POS? Yeah, oh, uh, a point of service. It's a little, uh, it's a, the, the uh, cash register, I guess you would call it. So everything's evolved. And so what we've done is we've partnered with NCR and we've set up APIs, which are these networks in which we can now, which is important for COVID. I'm kind of jumping pretty fast here. but So now what we can do is we have all the DSP, which are delivery service providers, DoorDash, Uber Eats, Postmates, all those. And the orders will now go directly into our 
POS machine or little register by the counter, pop up the order and then print the ticket, you know, at the juicing station or at the smoothie station or whatever. If you go from a technology investment standpoint, if you go six months ago, you would have four different iPads, each one from DoorDash, one from Postmates, mm-hmm. and then you would manually have to put it into the machine. And so back in January, we started working with them and said, this is getting too you know, labor intensive. Let's build a, you know, an API so we could directly go into our machines. And so now all of a sudden, we can do promotions with all of the DPSs. It goes right to our POS. We don't have to do a thing. All we've got to do is pick that we've accepted it and bam, the order pops out instead of paying attention to see if something pops up on my, like a text message pops up or something. So I think that was an important investment that we made early on. So, so it made you more efficient. You could increase revenue and reduce expenses. You can also, you look at it and again, you look at the, you, know, you talk about some of this COVID stuff. And I think what's going to happen is that, uh, you know, uh, there will be some COVID expenses involved right now. It's looking like it's about three to five bucks a day in sanitary and other things. But I do think that labor fundamentally will, be a little bit lower because I think we'll, the takeout will considerably increase. We just simply won't have uh, the the uh, in dining experience. Uh, spaces in all likelihood will become a little bit smaller. The build ups may become a little bit less. Uh, so I think there's going to be some efficiencies uh, you know, involved in that. And labor is going to be the most important one, especially with labor around the country. You know, California in particular just going you know through the roof. So if we can drop our labor a little bit, uh, yeah, that'll help. So I was listening to the former CEO of McDonald's and he said, if they didn't have that drive-through business, I think it's 40% of their business. I believe it. But he says that's hard for an established restaurant to add a, you know, a drive-through if you're in the middle of a mall or something. Yeah. And so that. And it's funny, we've always wanted, there's two things. One is, you know, we've always wanted to do drive-throughs, but with Starbucks, it's very difficult being the same size as a Dunkin' Donuts or Starbucks is very us difficult for us to compete with the prices that they're willing to pay. But for us during the COVID, because we're at takeout restaurants, we had the liberty of people you know, coming in, placing an order and leaving or going online and ordering it. So for us, it's going to be more of a convenience type uh, situation. We did see our deliveries go from about 33% to 54%. That's my final question. You know, this Uber Eats and Grubhub and all that, well, are they in the right place at the right time? Or were they? Well, you know, I, what I think is, I think that uh, they are reaping the rewards of this situation. But I think uh, in short order, it's going to be, it reminds me a little bit of the travel agency business back, you know, you used to get 10% of, you know, a plane ticket and then it's $50 and who knows what they get today. Um, yes, there's labor involved, but the idea that they can get 23% and then charge Five ninety nine, six ninety nine for delivery, and all the way through. I think you know you're going to have some people that are a lot smarter, a lot more efficient, that are going to build some uh, labor metrics into it, so it does work for the restaurants and it does work for the programs. But they are, I mean, you live and die with them right now. I mean, you don't have them, and you're really in some trouble. But uh, the prices they they charge are quite egregious, really. Who's this? The, the uh, Grab Hubs and stuff like that. Yeah, they charge basically what the, the way that it works is they charge uh, almost anybody. We do a tremendous amount of business and they still charge us 23% of the gross sale. And on top of that, we'll charge a delivery fee of $3.99 to $6.99. So all of a sudden, a $7 juice costs you 18 bucks, yeah. you know. Yeah. And that's just not you know, the way it works. Now, we've negotiated down with those some of those rates and such, and uh, and they have a lot of some flexibility to it. But uh, I think you're, we're going to see some changes uh, in that in- industry. So in terms of entrepreneurship and somebody's wanting to start today, is now 
a time to start? Oh, I think that, you know, and again, we go back to the uh, common interest that Robert and I have on curiosity. I think there's always a time to start. I don't think that, you know, whether I would start today, that it would be irrelevant on what was going on in today's society. And that may not mean that I'd launch it today, but I'd be working forward. I'd be going through, t- seeing what changes I need to make to my plan to, to execute. But my passion for it and my desire and my stick to while it may hit a speed bump, it's not going to stop me. Right, and as a so, matter of fact, speaking of that, we're, I'm looking at investing and starting a number of businesses uh, as we speak, and that hasn't slowed down one bit. So, so I, you know, I always say that the most we have a bus downstairs of Albert Einstein, and his his saying is, "Imagination is more important than knowledge." And yeah. I think that's one of the keys to being an entrepreneur right now, because there's millions of entrepreneurs looking at the restaurant business, which is a mega, mega monster business. And they're coming up with a new idea right now, how they're going to, you know, solve this problem. Would would you say that's true? They're trying to figure out another way of doing it. Well, I think they are. You've got some that believe that it's the death of the restaurant business and it's all, you know, dark clouds. And then you have the other half that would be like myself and you that like, the challenge is a huge opportunity. Yeah. The challenge challenge comes opportunity. And this is a perfect chance to take advantage of it, not take advantage of, but, look at the opportunity within what's, what we're going through. And I think that uh, as Nectar is a brand, we're going to come out stronger, bigger, more profitable, more locations, more density, more awareness. Um, so I couldn't be more positive about the future than I've been in years. Amen. So, so that, I would say that's probably the number one lesson for entrepreneur is if somebody else is struggling, that's your opportunity. And they're going to figure out how to do it better and more efficient and more effectively. And I think that's really what, you know, the, the, the curiosity and passion and all that comes from is you yeah, just, these kind of things also exploit where you're, where you were making mistakes all of a sudden, whether it be in G and A and you're a little bit fat and heavy in certain areas right. and this and that, it exploits those, you know, underbellies or underlines of what you're doing and allows you to make modifications, which again, force you to be better and more right. efficient and, right. and, and I think, uh, I think the team members appreciate it. And I think that uh, the guests will appreciate it. And uh, so we, we learn and grow. So Steve, thank you very much. I mean, thank your you. message is inspiring, on target, on message, and uh, for real. Yeah. And one of the things I love too, and I think one of the traits of a successful entrepreneur is very positive, very realistic, but also positive. So you got people out there going, oh, it's the death of the restaurant industry. And, I, and you're saying, no, 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 no. This is the best opportunity right now. And I think that's one of the strongest traits of a of an wow. entrepreneur. Good to hear. Hey guys, I really appreciate hear. it. Thank you. Know, yeah. I couldn't be honored uh, more than be on the show, and uh, we'll look forward to that dinner at Steak Forty Four. There we go. <laughs> You're nice, on. Nice bottle of wine. Once you slow down on this fast. <laughs> the last well, day of my cleanse, twenty one days. Anyway, Steve, thank, <laughs> thank you, Steve. Thank you, thank really you. enjoy. Really appreciate enjoy. It. Thank you. Hey, you know. Enjoy your day. Great. Okay. Thanks, hey, guys. you too. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Welcome back, Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show. Thanks to Steve Schultz of Nexter. I'm sitting here with Kim. It's one of our, one of our really more interesting on-target shows, right? Totally on-target. I mean, you got an entrepreneur that was struggling. He had all these failures. He was in the infomercial business in 2008 when that kind of came apart. Came apart for us, too. Yeah, and then two years later, he starts this little juice bar because he's got a passion for fresh juices and healthy juices, and now he's got 170 stores and really kind of very similar to our story. It's like we started 
you know, with the board game, we didn't have a five-year plan on how we were going to do it and how we were going to roll it out. We didn't have a plan for Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but you just have that resilience and that go and do been, it. It's been more than a roller coaster ride. It's been a, a blimp and crash ride. You know? <laughs> We've had so many failures, so many horrible things happen. But I don't know. How, I think that's what keeps you going. So once again, listen to the Rich Dad Radio Program anytime, anywhere on iTunes or Android and YouTube. Please leave a comment for the show, and you can listen to the program anytime, anywhere. Uh, re- listen to this program. Go to richdadradio.com. Listen to this again. Why? Because if you listen to it again, you'll learn twice as much, especially if you want to be an entrepreneur. If this is not interesting to you, don't be an entrepreneur. The journey is too effing hard. And then also if you have friends, family, and business associates, listen to this and discuss this program because your intelligence will go up. And really that's the most important thing today is get your intelligence up. Because if you're hanging out with a bunch of losers, you're going down with the losers. So anyway, I want to thank Steve Schultz of Nectar and final comments on being an entrepreneur. If I could start with your dad and Kim's, when I was getting serious about Kim back in the eighties, first thing he asked me is, do you have a job? What did your dad say? What did you say? Well, that was his, that was his, that was his road. That was his path. His path was he followed in his father's footsteps and he got a job and worked his way up the corporate ladder and, became an executive in the companies, and that was how he saw the path to financial security. Yeah. And, and so, so when he said, when he said, do you have a job? And you said no. And then on top of it, I called him one day and said, hey, um, I just quit my job and I'm going to go <laughs> venture into this new, I want to I start my own business. And he was like, oh my God, what's happened here? But he was also extremely supportive. Yeah. It was just a little bit of shock in the beginning and then very, very supportive. Yeah, it was a point of contention because there's two different mindsets between um, corporate employees mm-hmm. and entrepreneurs. And for those of you who like sports, the way I look at it is this, a corporate employee, you know, the climb the corp- corporate ladder and all this stuff, make it from starting the mailroom and become a CEO of a company, which is a dream of many mailroom clerks, <clears throat> is the difference between American football or gridiron, you have a quarterback, you know, and the quarterback calls all the plays. But most entrepreneurs are like rugby, whereas everybody can carry the ball, everybody's free-flowing, is moving at high speed. But that's the difference. They're two different characters. Like I enjoyed American football. I was a fat guy, so I was always on the line. I had no speed. And the quarterback would get up there and he'd tell me, okay, you go hit this guy, hit that guy. So, so I'm waiting on the line, being waited, told what to do. And then he goes up there, calls the play, plays over, everybody takes a break, has a Coke, and then discuss the next play. It just didn't fit me. So I played football, American gridiron, all the way through college, and I just didn't feel at home. And then one day I went out and played rugby. I was in flight school in Florida. I was at home because it's a fluid style. And I think that's what we adopted at Rich Dad, right? Mm-hmm. Exactly what we adopted at Rich Dad. We have a, a team that works together. And, and I and I love how Steve was talking about his team and he listened to his team and he listened to his right. guests and his customers. And it has made all the difference in, in our company. So Sarah, Sarah is our producer this wing. We're not really that climb the corporate ladder kind of company, are we? No, there's, there's not really a ladder. It's more, what is it? You know, like a, a trampoline. It's a trampoline. <laughs> trampoline. Trampoline. You're bouncing all over the place. Actually, that's true because they, nobody has one role. No. 
You know, okay. everybody has different hats and specialties and expertise, and you got, you respect everybody equally. You know, when there's an issue that comes yeah. up, we discuss it as a group. And and it, and what's most surprising is the ideas come from the people you least expect the ideas to come yeah. from. It's right. like a, a pure synergy, right? Yeah, and, and and I'm always impressed with. Our staff, you know, they're so smart. I keep telling Sarah, I said, Sarah, really? how'd you get so smart? Did you get into the MBA program? We're a little smarter than you and me, Robert. <laughs> do, you, do, do, do you have an MBA, Sarah? No. Uh-uh. I dropped out one? of college. <laughs> <laughs> I quit college. Yeah. I said, this is not for me. So, but I was explaining to you, I had a whole bunch of jobs that kind of, yeah, con- you know, I experience. collected my different tools yeah. from each job. Yeah. And um, with a ton of research, I just yeah. felt like it worked better. So like... Everybody in the company knows I'm the village idiot, so they kind of keep me out of there. But, I mean, I'm just always impressed how smart people are if you allow them to be smart. And that's why I never really like gridiron. Most people love it, like Tom Brady, who just moved to Tampa and all this stuff. They get all sexually stimulated thinking about football and assigned plays and all this. Whereas rugby, you go out there, you have a couple of beers, and you start playing. And that's the way I love – that's why I love being an entrepreneur. Well, that kind of goes along with what, what um, Steve was saying about what it takes to be an entrepreneur. He's just, he goes, you just got to move forward. He said, yeah. first you got – I love the thing on curiosity. Yeah. You got to be curious. You just got to be curious about every single thing. It reminds me of our friend Frank Creary. Yeah. He was – to the day he died in 92, he was curious about every single thing. Everything just excited him. He was fascinated. Yeah. We could sit With down. everything. He'd come to our house for parties, and we'd have all these different people, all entrepreneurs. And the discussions were, like, mind-blowing. Yeah. I'm doing it this way. How are you doing it that way? It's not like I'm following the corporate dogma. He was always asking questions. He was yeah. always curious. How'd you do that? How'd you make your money? How'd you, what was this, you know? And so I think this is one of our better programs for those of you who want to be entrepreneurs, want to grow your business as entrepreneurs. Or maybe you should not be an entrepreneur. You know, I don't recommend it. Do you, Kim? I don't recommend it for everybody. I recommend it for the, the hardy and the resilient and those who want to persevere and those who really want to be free. I mean, it's you said it very well. You said it's not easy, um, but it, it is freeing. You don't, you don't, what did you say? You don't have control necessarily over all your time, but you are free. Right. And it's, I'm 24 7. We work work. every day, yeah, but we're free. And the final story I want to tell is our governor, Doug Ducey, used to run the Colstone Creamery franchise. I remember one day where we're laughing, yeah, Kenny, Kenny, Kim, and I, Kenny McRoy, and we're laughing. Doug says, I got to go. This is before he was governor. I said, Where are you going? He says, I got to fly to California. This is from Phoenix to California. I said, Why? He says, Some franchisee is selling pickles. in a Cold Stone Creamery franchise, and you better play by the rules. You don't sell pickles. we don't sell, sell pickles. pickles at Cold Stone Creamery. <laughs> so he had to stop the party, get a plane, and fly to California and personally remove the pickle jar from the Cold Stone Creamery franchisees wanting to not follow the rules. So anyway, those are some of the lessons you can never, ever learn from a textbook or an MBA program. Once again, I want to thank Steve Schultz of Nectar. Thanks, Sarah, for your contribution and Kim for our wisdom on this whole thing. And thank you all for listening to the Rich Dad Radio. Thank you very much. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. 
This episode is brought to you by JLL. Get an insider view into the world of commercial real estate with JLL's podcast, Trends and Insights, the Future of Commercial Real Estate. Whether you're curious about making cities more sustainable, the evolution of office space, or AI opportunities, this podcast will help keep you a step ahead. Tune in for candid conversations with business leaders about the biggest trends impacting how we live, work, and play. Subscribe to Trends and Insights now at jll.com slash podcast. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older. Or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a Midi clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history, so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should, too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com.